you already had the past year. So I'm assuming there was some infrastructure. And so like the cow like hasn't gotten out yet or, um, or what? No, the cow got out. The cow got, everything has gotten out at some point. So right now we have the cow, we have the steer. We wound up getting a miniature donkey um, that came with a companion goat because one of our kids really wanted this donkey and he said, okay, sure, when the happens. Yeah. And so they told us that she needed to have this goat with her or else she would be too lonely. So we have this goat, just a fainting goat. We wound up with that. We got a bunch of chickens. We have 20 hens now and a, and a rooster. And then we wound up getting um, a breeding pair of pigs. And then we got somehow our neighbor also brought us another goat. So now we've got the two goats. Wow. The animals. Yeah. This is all like so fast for us. And, and we just keep looking around like, I can't believe we're doing this. But sure, what the heck? They're all eating grass. You know, it's pretty cool. But um, all the animals have gotten out. This is the Farm Hop Life Podcast, a traveling homestead family. I'm Matt DeRosier. On the Farm Hop Life Podcast, we learn what it takes to grow your own food from everyday people. Could be a college student grows tomatoes and salad greens on their apartment patio, a former VP of marketing for Del Taco now raising cattle in Montana, or someone who hasn't had a homestead in over 10 years. This show is aimed at teaching you what it takes to make homesteading work for you, that we all make mistakes, we all have bad days, but we can reach out and help one another thrive in giving you the confidence needed to go feed yourself. Well, how did you get started with uh, traveling from farm to farm? So trying to start up, start from the ground up on this place, uh, we built this house, just as bare bare land um we've been here three years now and trying to get a homestead up off the ground is a lot of work and then all the other things like in and around the house and so i was thinking man if i had an extra pair of hands here just think about how much more i could get done and then i was thinking well then why couldn't i be that person for somebody else and so it was going to be this this whole thing i put in uh my one-year notice at work and we should have, it, it, it's a long, long story, should have been gone um, like April 1st of this year. But one thing led to another and I ended up taking a new job in December of last year. Like it was too, it was too good to pass up. Like I, like, like my wife and I talked about it, we prayed about it and then uh, it was, it was something that we just had to, we just had to table the whole live in a travel trailer and travel around the country as much as that's what like, we wanted to do. Um, we had to do, we had, to, I had to take this job for, for a couple other reasons. Um, well, mainly financially, um, yeah, that's an important reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, the, it would have been a short trip. I think, I think we were. We were kind of putting things, putting too many things off that you just can't really put off. And so we kind of had to table, table the, the farm hopping, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the true goal of like physically being there, physically helping. Um, mm -hmm. but we're still doing the interviews last Saturday. I went to, uh, uh, I went to a farm and helped out for an hour or so got an interview got a tour and so that that content it will be coming out soon um so i'm still help i'm helping just not as much and a lot more local so that's yeah, that's, good too. that's how i was doing that i think there's a lot to be said for starting locally yeah but yeah so you're you're in oklahoma is that right or as your bio says, Oklahoma. <laughs> That's right. We're formerly Florida. Okay. Interesting. Okay. When did you move? Uh, so we got here to Oklahoma in June of 22. Nice. Okay. So, man, uh, congratulations on the move. It seems like you went, you went opposite. Everybody's going into Florida and you're like, I'm leaving. <laughs> Forget that. Yeah, well, How'd that work? It's definitely getting pretty crowded down there, uh, but 
my husband was from Oklahoma. He was active duty military, and we were coming to the end of his uh, you know, his, his time in the military. Uh, he had done almost 25 years, and we were looking around at everything that was going on in the world around 2020, 2021, and we basically kind of went from looking at our little house in the suburbs that we thought that we were going to die in and realized we need to kind of get out of here. We really need to get someplace a little further away from the cities and closer to family and Oklahoma it was. Nice. What branch of the military? Navy. Navy. So you, how, how many years were you in Florida? It's kind of unusual to be able to stay in one spot for a long time right well, I, it is um i pretty much grew up in florida um so that's where we met um and most of his career really was in florida because of the job that he did in the navy it's very oh. a small community and there aren't many places that that you can go with that job Jack- jacksonville was one of them so i see that's kind of nice that you didn't have the traditional military experience where like, hey, we're going to move every two years. How's that sound? Exactly. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be co- a constant state of starting over. Exactly. And, you know, there was always that possibility that we could go some other places. So it did sure. limit some of the things that we did in the past. But really, as he was coming to the end of his time, and we knew that that hard deadline was approaching, uh, it, it definitely changed our mindset about what we were willing to try. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, I, I just, uh, who knows when the power's going to come back on. It's not worth, uh, turn on the generator right now. So, uh, I just have my hot on my phone going. So if I have crappy internet, that's why. Uh, okay. So, uh, we were talking your, your husband, uh, so he retired, uh, from the military. So, did he like what's he what's he up to now? Did he take a did he take like a civilian job just for something to do, or is he doing a bunch of work at the new house? Or go ahead. So he okay. So he uh, he has a civilian job uh, working with uh, one of his friends from when he was a kid here, and um, he is doing that for long days and then coming home and helping at home or trying to get as many projects done at home. Um, as we go, I work part-time from home also, and I've got five kids, we homeschool, everything's at home. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Wow. Nice. That's kind of nice. The, uh, the working from home and five kids. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good amount of work. Definitely. Are your kids uh, a little bit older, mostly younger or kind of spread out? They're spread out. They reign, uh, youngest is six. Oldest is 15, almost 16. Wow. So they're um, a good range. And then we actually also have my sister and her family uh, decided they were going to move to Oklahoma too. So they sold their place out east and came out too. So. Excellent. Big, big crowd. Are they, are they far away or? They're living with us. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know if that's exactly what you meant or if they were like across the street or on the other side of town or or where they were, but wow. We said, hey, come on out, you know, might as well. And uh, they're, they're with us until they can get a house built on some property that they found nearby. Hey, that's excellent. That's kind of cool for your kids to like play with their cousins like all the time. Like the, these are going to be great years for them. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, it, they've been here since... Uh, November now and it's been wonderful good that's and that's that's a lot of stress like a lot of stress and strain on on relationships but if it's if it's a good relationship to start with that's uh that's a good foundation so nice excellent uh so so the homesteading you uh you're just getting your your new systems started I assume so let's talk about what what have you done like when you were when you were in Florida? What talk about uh, your some of your systems there? So Florida, despite what 
you might think is really a horrible place to open. Um, we lived in Northeast Florida, so we kind of got the worst of both worlds. It would be horribly hot and disgusting all summer long and summer there's like, you know, nine months of the year. And then you would get these raw, cold winters where it was, you know, horrible. So there was maybe a few weeks in the spring, in the fall, that it was nice to be working outside. But it was either drought or flood and everything rots on the vine. So jeez. Yeah. So my focus in Florida was a lot of um, indoor gardening, container gardening, uh, uh, passive hydroponics, aero gardens, whatever I could do to um, minimize the amount of sun the plants were going to get so that they wouldn't shrivel up and die and uh, keep the bugs off. Did you say, did you say aero gardening? Oh yeah. Arrow gardens, you know, the little ones like they sell at the, the store. We did a bunch of those. For They're just like tomatoes. little, uh, okay, I think I know what you're talking about. There's like a little grow light. And a pump, and it's hydroponics. And they come in all different sizes from little ones that sit on your countertop to the ones like we had that are, you stack them one on top of the other, and they're six feet tall, so. Okay, that's that's a lot different than the one that I had. I can't remember. It was like a, some Kickstarter thingy that I had. Man, it was not very big. I think the footprint was like this. And it was something like... It was like a hundred bucks. And I was like, man, I don't know how... Like, this does not scale. Uh, it was a cool little like... It was it was like a cool little like desktop kind of grow thingy. But it, uh, it was not... Did not scale very well. I don't know. We had some good results with the ones that we had. A lot of uh, cherry tomatoes and peppers and things like that. But we had a bigger, a bigger setup. Sure. Yeah, I, I imagine that this was that had a bigger footprint. That it didn't, oh, yeah. it wasn't going to fit on somebody's like uh, computer desk or like kitchen table. And uh, yeah, it was it was kind of gimmicky this one. But yeah, but they, I mean, they work well, and it was a nice intro, basically. But, you know, like you're saying with the scale, as you're uh, going through the little different plantings and you have to buy all of their little parts and you start to look at the forums of how do you keep going with this? Is it really worth it? And then that kind of led into different methods like uh, crack key buckets, which is a passive hydroponic system. Um, we started doing that to grow, you know, just like lettuce and things like that that we were going to use quickly. Um, had great success with those. And um, in fact, I really need to start those back up again. Um, I, I found that was the easiest way to grow lettuce for the table. Really? So I've I've heard a lot about Kratky. I haven't tried it myself yet, but you basically grow the plants in like a tray and let their roots hang and they have to like really like stretch for the water. Is that right? Exactly. So okay. that we did it, we had um, one gallon buckets with lids and you cut a okay. hole in the lid, put your net in a, like a net basket and that's where you mm -hmm. have your seed and you have it in rock wool or clay, clay pellets or something like that. And your, your uh, nutrient solution is just the, a gallon of water and a teaspoon of hydroponic fertilizer. And basically as those roots grow into the liquid, um, they create an airspace, which is super moist. And uh, that's how it gets its air exchange from that. But it's totally sure. closed. You're not, you're not adding any water. You're not adding anything to it. Um, you're doing it with leafy plants that basically it, it uses a gallon of water and then it's done growing and you harvest. Hmm. What about nutrients for the water? Yeah. So you just use like there's a, you know, standard hydroponic solution. But I mean, it's really... Uh, so basic it's maybe a teaspoon of it of, of the powder in a gallon oh. of water so you're you're it's very hands-off nice that sounds pretty easy so i'm assuming that was also a pretty good benefit doing it that way like also you said the the plants would rot i'm assuming you also had pretty sandy soil in 
uh, Florida. Sand, clay, just about everything. And then, of course, you know, we're in the suburbs, so uh, the the everybody's got their lawn spray. Oh, geez. Soil. And right. It's just, you know, plus we were in the suburbs. We had uh, uh, the majority of our backyard was cool. It's uh, something to do with for nine months out of the year with kids. Yeah, Florida, of course. And so at one point, you know, we're kind of looking around after all of the COVID stuff happened and looking around our yard, like maybe we could put in a garden. Maybe we could stick some chickens over here or something. And no, I think we just need a boot. Just need a boot <laughs> in place else. Was that, was that a hard decision to make? Or you're like, nah, I'm, I'm pretty much over Florida. Like I'm ready for something different. Well, when, when we started seeing the riots on the news, and a half an hour away, that was it. I said, all right, we're going. And of course, at that point, we still had a couple of years left for my husband in the military. Right. Um, so we were just chomping at the bit, you know, trying to figure yeah. out how, where do we go? How soon can we get out of here? Uh, how do we plan for this? You know, how do you, how do you take this much time before you make that jump? But I think in the end, it was a good thing because we really didn't know what we were doing. And we had so much time to research. Uh, we had time to decide on exactly how we were going to do things and then still had more time to realize, wow, that's not really going to work. We better try something else before we even had the outlay in time or money or anything. Uh, it forced us to to really simplify our plans and um, be more adaptable to what was going to happen. Sure. Were the kids pretty excited about the move? How did they handle it? They were really excited. Uh, they were ready to come on out, you know, and have some places to roam around. Our our little neighborhood that we lived in in Florida was really small. Uh, you ride your bike around it five minutes and then you're done oh wow that is small yeah we're we're on 20 acres now and they can roam around all day uh go exploring and they're planning their camping trip out i don't know pasture soon and they're having a great time that's pretty neat so uh did your did your parents or grandparents have a garden or did they do any like canning or food preservation or how did you how did you get into all this? My mom would always have like pepper plants, but she did mostly flower gardening. And they never really did any kind of um, preserving, anything like that. I got into it probably around, I would say, uh, 2008, 2009, um, in the midst of the, the financial crisis that was going on at that time. And we were kind of, I don't want to say we were paranoid, but we were kind of paranoid and looking at, you know, how can we get more stuff on the shelves? And I started learning about canning and, um, and doing things like that. So it's been kind of a slow evolution. It, it hasn't been like it is now where we're trying really hard to, to grow a lot of food and to have animals and things like that. But I feel like I at least was kind of set on that path. Getting a bucket of wheat, learning how to make your own bread, learning how to can things. We did not have anything like that growing up. It's very much go to the grocery store, get your food, and that's it. Right. So back then, the way that you got into it, was it just uh, a means of being able to provide more for your family for less like kind of stretching stretching your dollar or absolutely we uh, also at around that time we started uh, there was a lot of documentaries that came out about uh food supply issues and the things that were going into uh you know how animals were being raised and genetically modified organisms all of that stuff like that and I felt like I would like to do things that were more natural for my kids, for our family. And, but I also needed to look at 
how, how do I maximize our, our grocery budget every month? Because it's expensive to eat clean, to eat well. We started looking at buying in bulk in order to have that kind of um, stretch that way. And then that segued into, well, how much could we grow? Um, so and that's when we started doing a lot of container gardening, Florida. Of course, here in Oklahoma, it's a different world as far as um, where your food is coming from. I mean, you're literally, your food is coming from your neighbor down the road, uh, you know, the, the rancher down the road. We're surrounded by cows. So mm-hmm. it's everywhere. And it's great. And I love it. <laughs> So your, your new place, what kind of plans, like what have you done so far and what kind of plans do you have for the property? Like, uh, like a more traditional garden, are you going to have like a orchard or not like fruit or nut trees, um, anything like that? So we have, our property is about 20 acres, about 15 acres of that is pasture. And then five acres around the house, um, partly enclosed. And then we've got like some buildings and a pond and things like that. Um, when we first got out here, uh, we were in the middle of a drought and a heat wave. And that lasted for months. And the property was in pretty rough shape. So a lot of our focus was just getting the house into, you know, a basic level of functioning for us to live in. And, and walk around in. So initially, we would have wanted to, you know, immediately start putting in a garden, but we were really limited in what we could do um, with the resources we had at the time. So we basically started out with melon pits, just going out into the hard dirt in our backyard and digging in the yard, uh, threw a bunch of brush in them and burned them, threw a bunch of chicken carcasses and whatever leftovers we had saved over the past few weeks down in the holes, mounded them up and planted pumpkins and squash and melons and cantaloupe, whatever. And that's what we do- We started with. We could hand water them. Uh, they were breaking up the soil. They wound up spreading throughout the majority of the that whole area that we were looking at to put in row gardens later on. And we got a really good uh, a yield out of that, just from a, a pretty simple technique. Um, once everything died back, we let everything just kind of sit out there in the yard or rot down all winter long. And now the spring we've put in rows, but we're doing kind of a, um, a, a blend of row gardening and orchard and annuals all in one. We... Um, we're following David the Good on YouTube, um, who does the uh, survivalgardener.com website. And yeah. he kind of has this uh, this book called Grocery Gardening, Grocery Gardening, uh, of how you set up these kind of like food forest rows. But it's, I guess, a little bit more contained. It, it's not just kind of random. You're, you're doing row gardening with trees. Uh, but then you're interspersing that with uh, an understory of berry bushes, and then you've got your annuals that you're kind of filling in, taking them in and out as your seasons go. That's what we have right now. We just got that finished. We've got uh, some like 25-foot-long rows. We put in a ton of uh, different fruit trees, nut trees, raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, We've got volunteer melons growing that somehow uh, made it through over the winter in that area that are popping up everywhere. Strawberry beds, um, just kind of a blend. We're, we're willing to do just about anything, and we're new to this, so we're trying out different methods just to see what works. We're in a totally new environment, so, you know, whatever is going to work in this area, in our specific yard, I'm all for it. I'm not wedded to any specific um, method at all. That sounds really nice, like uh, like a nice blend of everything. I like it. So having moved there during a drought, 
have you considered how you're going to manage uh like your water either usage or conservation or anything uh to make sure things survive during the drought yes so one of the things that uh we looked at was um steve solomon has a book called Waterwise uh, Gardening. And he talks in that book a lot about uh, proper spacing plants and being able to get your plants far enough away that they're not competing with each other for water. That was one of the things that when we set out our own little grocery rows that we altered from the initial recommendation, which was three foot paths in between our rows. We actually spread those out to five foot paths um, just to have more space for those roots to grow and and get more water if it comes down to it. We have a lot of space. So I figure we might as well plant uh, to the space that we have. There's no reason to have a very compact garden for us, uh, right. which can be, you know, so heavy with your water usage. And, you know, we've got uh, rain barrels that we're putting in everywhere around the around the house. We have a pond. Or we have two ponds actually so we look at that too but um really for me I, I i look around the property and i see the trees that we have here already even though we live on a hill that's basically a big rock these trees are old and they're healthy and you know they've got deep roots and that's what we're going to try to encourage that type of growth uh, and just keep everything far enough away from each other that they can get the water that they need when it comes Sure. I've, I haven't heard of anybody burying a chicken carcass for <laughs> fertilizer before. I have heard of, I think it's either the Chinese or the Japanese that they would bury, uh, fish carcasses in their gardens for fertilizer. That's supposed to be pretty good. So, I mean, if, uh, I mean, you use what you got, right? I mean, why not, why not that chicken carcass when, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, when we're done with the chicken carcass, we throw it in the chicken run. And then at the end of the year, I guess more like beginning of the year, I pile up all the wood chips and whatever uh, didn't get totally processed by the chickens. Like that all ends up as compost. And so, yeah, you find like a chicken spine, you find a T-bone, you find uh, ribs, you find all this, all these, all these things um, that make it into the compost pile. So, yeah, it's all it's all part of the cycle. And then um, the other thing I I've heard of to break up hard compacted soil is people planting daikon radish. They, you've heard of this, so they they plant it and it um, they just let it grow. It's supposed to grow really big, and they just let it rot in the ground. And it's supposed to break it up pretty good. Yeah, we've heard of that too. We did, we threw down some uh, cover crop seed for when the melons and everything were done. We did that, I guess it was before the snow started, but nothing grew. So that was, that was uh, a failure in there. But, I, you know, I, I, I feel like the stuff that we did get down has definitely changed the soil just in the amount of time that we've been here already. When we first got here, it was like this just hard, compacted, red soil. We're already seeing better soil um, just from what we've what we've already put down. We did some soil awesome. conditioner mineralization. Um, we did that before we started putting our rows in. Uh, I, I feel like one of the big things for us is changing that mindset of putting everything in the trash and putting it on the curb. Now it's what can we get and bring onto the property? What can we get and bring into our garden area from around our property? Um, just get more organic material into the areas that we're going to be planting. Uh, we have animals now. So saving up the straw and the manure all winter long, just piling it up. We tried to compost. It didn't break down, but it's going to break down eventually. We just sure. made our rows. We mounted up straw and manure with the road with the stuff that we had put some soil on top of that and that's where we planted our car our things that we have out there right now what uh sorry go ahead 
I was just going to ask, uh, what zone are you in? We're in 7A. 7A, okay. And then um, about how much rainfall or precipitation, I guess, do you get a year? That's a good question. We didn't get hardly any of this last year. Um, okay. We're doing pretty well. Um, according to the Oklahoma Mesonet, we're about out of the drought to where we could go a little while without rain and be okay. Hmm. Um, we're in eastern, northeastern Oklahoma, which is, they call it green country, where it's not okay. the plains. It's lots of trees and hills and things like that. Okay. Because that's what I was picturing. It's 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 not your typical Oklahoma when you're looking around. So, um, what what's what are a couple other things that you've tried that have worked well at your current place? Things that have worked well. We have uh, done garlic in raised beds. That's doing great. They are gigantic. I had no idea garlic could get. And it's not even the elephant kind, or it is. No, they're uh, German German reds. Hmm. I think they're they are. Um, those are doing really well. When my sister came out, she actually brought a bunch of different types of garlic. And no, the elephant is not doing well. That was one of oh. the types that she planted. Um, so it's you know it's kind of been interesting this little experiment that we're running as far as the different varieties. Uh, we have onion sets in bro bags that are doing really really well. I'm looking forward to seeing how those do. And uh, the, uh, you know, the melon pits went well, but that's kind of the extent. Everything else is, um, we're waiting to see how it goes. Sure. Things are sprouting. The trees are budding in the little ones that we've planted. And I've got high hopes. But if it doesn't work, then they'll get torn out and something else will go in. Sure. So what's some what what are a few things that have haven't worked well or uh I mean I know it's I know it's a pretty quick again you have you haven't been there that long but I mean you can kind of figure out quickly like what hasn't hasn't worked Well what hasn't worked for one is uh when when it comes to the animals that we got when we moved here we had a cat and two parakeets and then one of the parakeets okay. died Oh, no. So, you know, the first thing that we got were ducks for our pond because they were getting covered with duckweed. Makes sense. Yeah, lovely, some lovely people on Twitter said, you should get some ducks. I like, That'd be great. So we did. We had eight ducks. Six of them are dead. They got eaten by coyotes. That didn't work out very well. Oh, no. Two left. Yeah. We've got two left, though. They're a breeding pair, and uh, they started laying some eggs recently, so hopefully that will go well. But um, we we weren't anticipating moving so quickly on the animals. We just figured, you know, maybe some chickens or so forth, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. But one of our neighbors raises cattle, and we had all of this pasture, and one day he dropped by and said, hey, you know, would you be interested in in doing some type of trade where um, I put I could put some cows on your pasture and you know get a sear for the freezer or something like that? And oh, that'd be great! You know that's wonderful. Absolutely, let's do it. But I didn't realize that he meant like we would get an actual sear, like a live one. So one day there's a cow in one of our enclosures <laughs> and a trough, a watering trough, and there he is. That's our sear right there. So uh, that has been a trial and error type thing because we have, have never had a cow in my end life. Right. Didn't know the first thing about it. Didn't know what we were supposed to do. And it's almost like uh, the people that we ask like for advice, it's so it comes so naturally to them because this is their life. They've grown up around cattle and raising cattle. And they're just like, oh, you just, you know, you just throw them some feed every you know every day and they'll be fine. What does that mean? <laughs> how how much do you give them? How do I know if they're getting enough? You know, what if they get too fat? What if they're too thin? It's been months of um, of trying to sort that out. Even now, I think we're still doing it wrong because our neighbor called us today to let us know that 
hey, you know, you can barter our trailer anytime you want to go take that cow up to get processed. Like, he's madly looking at it. Exactly. Like, that's funny. Gigantic. I don't want to keep him as a pet or anything, but it's probably what they're all thinking at this point. That's that's really funny. Well, have you named it? Have you named the steer? Yes, we did, but his name is Beef. <laughs> that's good. That's pretty funny. Well, do the kids like having the cow? They do, but they also keep talking about tenderloin, so they're they're definitely keeping the right perspective. There you go. That's really funny. Yeah, that uh, a little just a little bit of misunderstanding. Uh, can make for a good story. I guess depends on who tell who's telling it, but <laughs> that's true. That's pretty funny. But so <clears throat> you you already had the past year, so I'm assuming there was some infrastructure, and so like the cow like hasn't gotten out yet, or um, or what? No, the cow got out. The cow got everything has gotten out at some point. So right now we have the cow, yeah, the steer. We wound up getting a miniature donkey um, that came with a companion goat. Because one of our kids really wanted this donkey, and he said, "Okay, sure, when the heck?" Yeah, and so they told us that she needed to have this goat with her, or else she would be too lonely. So we have this goat, just a fainting goat. We wound up with that. We got a bunch of chickens. Like we have twenty hens now, and a, and a rooster. And then we wound up getting um, a breeding pair of pigs. And then we got somehow our neighbor also brought us another goat. So now we've got the two goats. Wow, the animals. Yeah, this is all like so fast for us, and and we just keep looking around like I can't believe we're doing this, but sure, what the heck? They're all eating grass, you know. It's pretty cool, but um, all the animals have gotten out. One of our biggest things has been just trying to get all the fences in order. Fortunately, um, the house that we bought was built in like forty three, nineteen forty three, so there were a lot of outbuildings. Um, in varying states of decay, and uh, you know they're 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 pretty functional. The fences are pretty functional, but you know we're buying a lot of cattle panel and and getting that hooked up to keep everything inside. Sure. It uh, with with people just dumping animals on you, it kind of almost sounds like a like animal sanctuary more than more than an operational farm. <laughs> I think they're just trying to test us. <laughs> like, hey, yeah, check out these newbies. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, the new neighbors. New. Right. That's funny. That's pretty That's pretty good. Um, yeah, uh, it, it is always interesting, like the new neighbors. Like you, maybe, this is the, this is the first house that we found. And so coming into this place, you're always, you know, you got like, you know, kind of like rose colored glasses. Like this is going to be great. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get along with all my neighbors and, and I do, but you're also like, oh, up the road. Like that's Rick. Like he's a nice guy, but he's really weird or he's like, <laughs> or his stories aren't exactly what he like, uh, they, they claim to be that kind of thing. Right. So. Yeah, you gotta we're, gotta we're figure people out. Yeah. We've been pretty lucky. Our neighbors are, you know, our neighbors are really nice and everything. And it's a small town, you know, we're, and we're kind of getting to the point now where I'm, you know, we go into town to go to the hardware store, and I'm recognizing people and saying hello, and they recognize us, which is really nice. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's always a game, like. uh between my wife and I, like, are you going to run into somebody you know, or am I? Mm-hmm. So, what's, been, yeah, what's, uh, what's been the big, like, yeah, all these, all these things have happened, uh, getting started, but what's been the biggest challenge in, uh, in starting up your farm that you face so far? Uh, really, the, the biggest challenge was before we even got here. And that was kind of letting go of the idea that we were going to figure out the perfect method for everything. You know, you, you kind of get on to um, 
get on YouTube or you get on Twitter or, you, or, or whatever, and everybody has very specific ways that they do things and everybody thinks that that is the best way and the only way to, to get things done. If it's tilling or not tilling or, um, you know, perennials only or no, have tons of annuals and things like that. And I feel like because of the, the extended time frame between when we decided we were going to go and when we actually got here, um, we had so much time to kind of let go of that idea of we're going to get this all nailed out and figured, you know, nailed down and figured out and have an exact plan and have a, a diagram for my garden and, uh, and have everything plotted out on a, on a specific calendar. Everything, you know, we war gamed basically so much that by the time we were boots on the ground, we just realized none of this is going to work. Everything is going to have to be, um, you know, what's, what's the, what is going on right now? What is the weather right now? What can we plant right now? Um, what's in stock right now? You know, I mean, there are so many supply chain issues and things like that, that mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, if we had really had a set plan that was so reliant on every piece of the puzzle fitting perfectly into place, we'd never get anything done. It's every day is what can we do today with what we have or, you know, the minimal to get to where we need to be. So that's, that I feel has been the biggest, um, biggest challenge is just letting go of that mindset and really realizing that this is a long haul, you know, this is a long-term process. Um, our kids are going to be hopefully continuing this long after we're gone. And, um, you know, this is, we want this to be a generational home that is just going to be continuously under improvement. I really like that answer. I've never gotten that one before. So that's, that's really nice that you just, uh, yeah, you just, you have to be adaptable all the time. Um, Hey, I was planning on doing this. Can't do it because blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. Let's move either find a way to still figure out how to make it work or figure out something else to do until blah, blah, blah gets, gets resolved. So. Right. I mean, yeah. at least there's going to be some progress, something moving forward. There's always something to do. Exactly. Uh, there's always plenty to do. <clears throat> yeah. I, um, it's interesting that you said about, you know, people say to, to do it like this or to do it like that <clears throat> for, you know, their, their personal opinions and biases. I had, uh, bought 100 yards of wood chips last year and I was going to lay down cardboard over the grass that I wanted. Uh, it's more like weeds mm -hmm. that, that I wanted, uh, contained and then wood chips on top. Well, the area that I was trying to cover was big. It was, man, like 30 or 40 by 80 or 100. It would have been a lot of cardboard. Oh, yeah. So I go down to the, I go to the grocery store and I pick up one of those bales of cardboard. Like, so they got that, that machine that binds it all together. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, Hey, can I, can I have this? Like I need like, I don't know, three of them, let's say. And they're like, yeah, that sounds good. So I, I made a couple of trips, got three of them and I broke open one and started laying them out. And it is, I'm, I'm starting to do it. This is not, this is not going to like, this looks dumb. This is probably not going to work because <laughs> they're crushed and uh -huh. they're small boxes and they're full of tape. And so I'm like, uh, so I'm like, okay, they're. They're small, they're crushed, they're full of tape. Like, man, this just does not feel right. And so, like, I'm I'm laying them out, and, like, it's... I got a big section done, and then it started getting windy, and, like, it was... Before, like, the wood chips were supposed to get here in, like, two days. And so, I just go, I, this is not going to work. We're just going to have to skip the cardboard. And so, we... I, I piled up the cardboard... Uh, and 
because it, I didn't want it to just like, you know, like card, like when you burn like paper, it just like floats away. Right. Well, that's really bad, especially when you live in such a dry climate that like uh-huh. a cigarette could just start a, start a whole field on fire. Right. So I made like this cage out of fencing and I put all the cardboard in there and then I set it on fire. Uh, still not, still dumb. Uh, that was, that was a pretty dumb idea, but we didn't have the cardboard and I was able, the, the grocery store took back the other two bales, thankfully, but getting them in back in the truck, that was a whole thing. That was a whole nother thing, uh, that, uh. It made for uh, some entertaining videos uh, on TikTok <laughs> that people were not nice about whatsoever. But so, anyways, um, crushed cardboard from a grocery store does not work. Tried it, don't do it. Um, okay, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so did you put down the wood chips? Yep, I still put down all the wood chips and nothing's like some of the more aggressive weeds like something really thorny is coming through uh in some in some spots but i i knew it was there it was there when we laid it down oh sorry my uh my computer screen went to sleep um that was distracting uh but it doesn't look it doesn't look good because it's trying to get through like four or six inches of wood chips. And so it's oh, like, wow. it's really struggling. Um, yeah, you know, we, but, did, yeah. we did the cardboard stuff. Okay. So we had kind of a, a, a different uh, reason with the cardboard, of course, because we had just moved here. So we had tons of moving boxes and I really didn't yeah. feel like hauling to them to the dump. So we would just, as we unpacked a box, we would break it open and go, put it out in the garden and it's my gosh it takes so much of them we thought we were going to be able to do the whole backyard we really were not it it only did a little bit and even now we um like because this farm is 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 so old this property is so old there's just been this kind of accumulation of stuff around the fringes of the uh the property line and in one part of it there's these uh old ground bales of hay that have been there for years. I mean, if, if when we looked at the Google, like Google Maps and stuff, they've been there for at least five years, just rotting away. So we started hauling those hay bales into the yard to spread in between our, our rows to keep the weeds down, which, of, of course, it didn't work. But still, I get enough Amazon boxes and various other boxes on a daily and weekly basis that I figured we just put the hay down, and um, as I get another box, I pull the hay up, I put a box down, I cover it back up with hay, and we move on. Sure. So eventually, it won't be covered. Eventually, we'll have a nice weed-free garden. Right. I uh, I was expecting a little bit of a different outcome with the hay. I I, I seeded. Uh, the backyard with like a like a fescue and a clover. Like I'm not I'm not gonna mow it. Don't don't want to mow it. And so then I I covered it with straw. And it's it's growing. And and I'm like, why? It, this was like months later. I'm like, why in the world do I have wheat growing in my yard? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a lot, but it was some, and I was like, oh, the straw, duh. Yeah, well, that's what we did in our garlic beds, and we got wheat growing in there. And I, I actually, I was just outside um, yesterday looking around, and apparently I missed some of the uh, the wheat because it's got kernels and everything on it now. <laughs> but it kind of makes me wonder, like, hey, you know, maybe that would be a good way to just plant some wheat, just throw some straw down and see what happens. Yeah, I did... Uh... I did take some of the wheat. I'm like, oh, we grew some wheat. How about that? And I put it in like a old kind of fancy looking like liquor bottle and like kind of, so it's like kind of like staggered. So now it's decorative wheat in a liquor bottle. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Hey, there you go. I'll just, uh, 
I'll, I'll start recycling a recycling service out here and uh, grow my own wheat to sell on uh, on Etsy and stuff. That's not a bad idea. Decorative, decorative wheat. Um, so in in learning some new methods and whatnot for the new property, like what kind of like technological resources have you found useful? Uh, one of my main things is uh, the Todoist app. The Todoist app, okay. It's right there on my phone, and it's super easy to add something to my schedule because I am really bad about uh, remembering to do things like, hey, I'm putting a, a copper fungicide on this tree today, and I need to repeat it in a week, and that's going to go in one year and out the other. But I can use an app like that to, to jot that down. I can do that to remind myself when I'm supposed to put some beans in the ground. Um, anything that I am looking at and I realize I don't have the time to do it right now and it needs to be done, I, I'm just popping that in there. So that's really helpful for me. And the other one is um, this, it's actually a website, I guess, but they have an app. It's called iNaturalist. Yes. And I love that. We walk around and we take pictures of every unfamiliar plant or insect that we see, upload it, figure out what it is, what's it used for, you know, can it be useful? Is it something that I need to be worried about? Uh, especially coming from Florida where I grew up and I was pretty familiar with the flora and the fauna down there. But here in Oklahoma, there are, are trees that I have no idea what they are, much less bugs and wildflowers and everything. So yeah. just having that um, that knowledge base to to be able to see, hey, this is something good to have in a pasture. You know, um, I don't want to get rid of that. Hey, that's a beneficial bug. Let's not kill that one. Oh, this one sucks. Let's get rid of that one. Um, that's been really helpful. And it, you know, it's fun for the kids. They all kind of run around and take pictures of stuff too. And, and we all are just trying to learn everything we can about the property that we're on. That's pretty neat. Yeah, we I use uh, a similar app. I don't, I, I seek or I don't remember who cares. Uh, but I found I flagged in the yard this this purple flower, and I wanted to show my wife. I'm like, hey, check this thing out. I don't remember seeing this last year. Or maybe I uh, maybe I just forgot. I don't know. And so we scanned it, and she's like, that's actually pretty toxic to people and animals. So. Even like a little bit can mess you up. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. So, but and then once I found it one place, I like found it everywhere. And so I don't know if that's something I should work on, like eradicating, or I, I don't know. Can you even? Who knows? I'll have to do some more research, I guess. Uh, homeschooling. Can you, can you talk about homeschooling a little bit? Uh sure. What would you like to know? Um, so have you homeschooled your, your oldest since the beginning or did they start in public school and then move to, uh, being homeschooled or what was the, what was the deal there? We have homeschooled from the start. Because you feel like they can get a better education at home than they can in school or. I feel like the benefits overall for homeschooling compared to public schooling. Um, yeah, I feel like they can get a better education. I went to a um, very academic high school um, in, in Florida. And one of the things that I really regret about my experience is that I felt like there was so much focus on that college application and getting to college. I didn't feel like I really had the time to enjoy learning along the way. It was very much cram, pass, forget, and that cycle over and over again. Sure. And I really felt like with our own kids, I wanted them to, you know, have a strong foundation in their basics, you know, to be able to read very well, to write well, um, to have, you know, your basic arithmetic and, you know, up to algebra, so mastered, and then have time to read and talk about things 
and pursue their interests. Uh, I have one kid who loves art. I mean, he is a fantastic artist and he could spend all day drawing and be content. I have one kid who wants to be a, um, uh, a, not a, well, not specifically a marine biologist, but she wants to study seals and work with seals. That's her dream. That's what she's obsessed with. That's what she likes to do. Um, it's, it's been fantastic to allow my kids to have time in the day to explore their own interests, to be able to help around the house, around the, the farm and everything, still get their school done and still have the amount of leisure time that they have. It's an incredible gift for them. I wish I'd had that same experience when I was a kid. I agree. Yeah, I, I never liked school, hated school. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I actually realized I love to learn. And that's kind of unfortunate that I didn't feel that way uh, during pretty much my entire uh, time in school. Just like, why am I here? I hate being here. Why do I have to learn this? This is dumb. Um, but that there are, there are certain that it was, it was the subjects in which we were forced to learn and also the methods in which you were forced to learn them. So, right. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's sad because you, you know, I was just talking to my kids about this today, that, you know, being able to always be curious and to retain that love of, of finding out something new and, you know, mastering a skill finding finding out about something that you never even knew existed and then learning how to do that doing it well you you don't get that type of satisfaction from writing a book report or a you know a five paragraph essay that the majority of schooling that that you're going through i don't really need to memorize the krebs cycle in biology but man it would have been it would have been fantastic to really go out into the, the the area around that I grew up in and really learn about these are the plants that grow here. Here's the animals that grow here. To see all of that, how that works in real life as opposed to just studying for a test. Right. Yeah, it can be very individually tailored. So do you use like... um what I guess what's your what's your curriculum that you use for your kids or is each one different? Do they each learn a different way and you've had to modify it all the time? Everybody is different. And um when they're younger we do we really are just focused on the basics. So learning to read well, um handwriting and um math facts, making sure that they know addition, subtraction, all the their, you know, their times tables and things like that very well, because I feel like if you don't have that base, then the things that are going to come later will not make sense. Um, if you can read well, you can teach yourself just about anything. And right. you can have instantaneous recall of your times tables um, or your addition facts. And when you're working with more complicated, you know, math later on, as opposed to just arithmetic, it's going to be easier for you because you're not struggling through every step of that problem. You're using that arithmetic as a tool and then solving a, a, a problem in geometry or algebra or, or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, so those basics get, get worked really hard when they're young. And then as they get older, I've given them the opportunity to, to kind of choose the, how they would like to go, you know, what math program they would like to follow. Um, I have one kid who really enjoys um, a more of a narrative map of Life of Fred, which is a kind of funny, whimsical math book. I have one kid that just wants the, you know, just give it to me. What do I need to learn? I, I sure. don't really like math, but I, I just want to do it. Um, we do reading lists, but they have their input into that. And then a lot of our uh, things that would have been more subjects in school history, science, and things like that. We do those just together, all of us. I have a, a book that we're reading aloud for each subject that we're in. Um, we sit in the mornings, we read together, we talk about that. 
if the, if the mood strikes, we might look up a video that has more information about it, uh, do an experiment, you know, whatever. If they're interested in it, then we keep going. And if they're not, okay, that's fine. You know, you don't have to be interested in everything. But now sure. at least you're familiar with this topic. If, if it comes up, you can at least have a passing familiarity with it. Um, just like just like every other person in the world, you know, as adults, we're not expected to know everything or be interested in everything. It's okay. That's fine. As long as you've got those basics down. You... I like your approach. It seems very simplified. Like everyone kind of seems to want to make homeschooling pretty complicated. Like, oh, I'm going to be more this or more that. And I can I can understand, you know, we're going to start homeschooling um, my son this year. And my wife wants to like follow a curriculum. I mean, he's, he's going to turn three this month. So like he's not going to preschool. He's going to be learning here at home. And so, you know, you kind of want some guidelines at least, which makes sense instead of just like, I mean, yes, there's like the unschooling method. We're just like, yeah, just, you'll just learn. We'll teach him, teach him whatever, and he'll pick it up along the way. He'll figure it out. Um, yeah, there is that method, but we want to make sure that um, he's not falling behind in certain things because that's the opposite of what we want. Like uh, a friend of mine, his his son is about six months behind, like uh, six months younger than my son. And he was telling me how good he is on his balance bike. And I was kind of like, oh, man, I got to get on uh, practicing uh, with my son on his balance bike. Like he has one. We just haven't been like doing it every day. And so after like, that was kind of like a kick in the butt for me. Like, let's, like we're going outside, we're riding your bike. And then so that like, he kind of want to ride it and then not and so i got my bike out of the shed and i'd ride around with him a little bit and the last week he just like took off like on uh on on getting it because he would like those little balance bikes like he would just kind of walk down right. down the driveway and then i'm like you know you got to pick up your feet like you know like watch i'm i'm riding down the driveway i'm not pit like my feet aren't even touching the ground and so it took like probably a week or two of that. And then he just like, just got it. And it was, it was so awesome. I loved it. That's fantastic. You know, I mean, that's, that's the way it is. I think for, for so much Richards and Hey, I understand where your wife is coming from. When, when my oldest was two, I had his schooling planned out up until college. I had it all written down. I knew exactly what we were going to do, what he was going to be studying in every grade. And then, of course, like everything else, you know, you hit reality and it's not quite that, you know. Um, we have a lot of kids. We have five kids and yeah. one of our kids has severe special needs. And as we have gone through life, we, we have to adjust and adapt and and. I feel like so much of our life has been simplifying and paring things down and really trying to focus on what's the most important, what absolutely has to be done, what would be really cool if we could do it, and what is just the the absolute kind of fluff that's just the sprinkling. Sure. Are you uh, comfortable talking about your special needs child at all, or...? Is that something that you'd like to keep private? I, you know, I'll, I'll keep it private. I mean, we, that's fun. Um, yeah. It's actually a lot more common than I uh, realized that I'm like, I, I know this person that has a special needs child. I know this person that has a special needs child. So like, it's, I think it's uh, not talked about enough. No, I mean, it, it's not. I mean, I, I want to respect his privacy sure. and everything. Um, I will just suffice to say he's uh, he's at a level where, you know, he's not going to be able to live independently. Gotcha. And that that definitely factored in too in our decision to move out here because again, uh, long term, my husband and I are not going to be around forever. His siblings will will need to help take over his care at some point. And we want to make sure that we're leaving them in a situation where that's going to be as easy as possible for them. 
Sure. I understand. Yeah, my um I have a cousin that's like that. He uh he will not be able to to live like on his own. Like he he can do things well, but I, he's is uh he's kind of like stunted at like uh for like a let's say like maybe like a 10-year-old's like understanding of things so yeah i can i can i can see that i can understand that kind of kind of wrapping up here uh what would you tell people that want to get started i would say just go ahead and get started there's never going to be a perfect time or place or anything there's never going to be the right amount of money there's never going to be um the exact situation to you know have this fantasy life it's going to take a lot of work um and it's not going to go according to plan and it's going to be fantastic nonetheless so just just get started and be willing I agree. That's perfect. Um, but hey, is there anything else that uh, you wanted to talk about or touch on um, that we didn't get to? I feel like we've covered quite a bit. We did. I mean, I, I appreciate you asking me on to your yeah. show. I, I appreciate your time. Yeah, I, I appreciate your time and uh, you being here and working with me on my power outage and uh, all the other weird little quirks and things that popped up. So uh, you've been great. I've, I've really, really appreciated uh, this conversation, getting to know like uh, who is this, uh, who is this random Twitter account that uh, yes. I don't know people I, I'm really liking these like interviewing like these smaller accounts. Instead of like these big name people that, oh, look at, like, I've got these great things to say. And, uh, like, no, I'm, I'm going to go the other way. I, I, I used to try to get like, like, oh, wow, this person, you know, they're popular. Let, I'm, I'll, I'd like to get a one on one. And like, they're, they're, they're less, they're less interesting than the everyday people. So, um, I like these, I like these little, these little interviews. So, Appreciate appreciate it. See, and now you know I'm not a bot. So. <laughs> bot check, yeah. Instead of get a, a a blue check, get a I don't know whatever color, all all the colors in the logo. Get that rainbow check or something. Maybe not that, but something different. But <laughs> hey, uh, yeah. Thanks again, and uh, I'm looking forward to following your following your journey in your new place. All right, I appreciate it, man. All right, thanks, Michelle. I am Matt DeRosier of Farm Hop Life. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to subscribe and visit farmhoplife.com. Inside of the city, the people are crazy. Out of their minds, they ain't got a clue. We gone away, headed west for Montana. Left family and friends, all I got now is you. We both got new jobs, a house and a homestead, thinking this was the life, all that there'd be. After our firstborn, you had to stay home. That's when the work got in the way for me. Well, I started farm hop life. You'll come to your farm to help and to truck and an RV send us a message and 